0: OK, well, we're back <laughs> Everybody doing OK. Yeah, so, uh, so. Give us the real hospital report, what's actually going on? <laughs> Are they always full or. Not? So it's. What else got it? Mike, you didn't get it, did you? What? COVID? <laughs> I do know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike doesn't even know what COVID is. Uh, <laughs> 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 Mike had a Corona vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's quit drinking all Corona beer so he doesn't get the virus. <laughs> Yeah, Mike told me he's not worried. He said, "If the good die young, he'll live forever." (laughs) (laughs) He didn't say that. (laughs) You thought it, but you didn't say it. I had a professor who said that one time. Doc Hanna used to say. So, anyway, well, um, how we doing? Um, We've been uh, in the, the. Know, kind of trying to help you see the Book of Judges, what's, how it's functioning. Um, if I can help students, people see how the book fits in, in a real general kind of a overview sense, then you don't get lost in the weeds. Um, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on here uh, in this specific instance, um, but help you interpret how the, the story uh, kind of uh, moves along. Let me see if I can pull some something up here. So um, I can't multitask, so stick with me. They changed all of our course numbers, so I've got all new files. Um, Here we are not it here we go all right um so th- th- these stories build on each other but today um i had a question today tell tell tell, tell us your question so i was reading I'm in the process of reading. reading the Bible from front to back, yeah. And uh after Deuteronomy 21. And um talking about when you come across a court in the land uh, of measure the number of steps the city to where the then you sacrifice that I was confused as to how does this process that you're doing, yes. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you online who uh, didn't hear that, so the question is Deuteronomy chapter twenty-one. Uh, it's the instruction for Israel on what happens if they come across a dead body, basically someone who's been slain, and what do you do with that, right? And why do they have to go sacrifice an animal um, because someone was killed? And so. Um, what's going to happen in uh, in the book of Deuteronomy? So, so think about Deuteronomy. Uh, the structure of Deuteronomy is a, a covenant. The Lord is making a covenant. Moses is explaining it to Israel. And there's to a covenant that Israel understood. Uh, there was a section where the history of the two parties entering into the covenant was kind of rehearsed. That's what happens in early in the, the book of Genesis, right? In Deuteronomy. Um, you know, so this, the form kind of the form of the book of Deuteronomy follows ancient near Eastern treaties Two two nations are making a treaty. One of them is more power than powerful than the other. And so, um, they call it a suzerain vassal treaty or a sovereign vassal treaty, something like that. It doesn't matter what they call it. But basically, it's this treaty, and they say, okay, here's yeah. kind of our history together. Okay? And here are the rules for how we're going to operate. Those were, that was the general stipulation section. And then the next section was, okay, let's detail this out so that we're clear, right? Uh, legal. Garden, right, case law. Um, let's define our terms. What is murder? What is adultery? What, you know, how, how do we operate? What are the details? Let's flesh this out. And what, and, and what happens if this happens? That type of thing. And then there was a section of, you know, what happens if we, one party, you know, breaks the treaty? What, what will be the the judgments that will incur? Uh, that's uh, in. Uh, so, so, so the general stipulations would be uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, the, the, um, the Ten Commandments. Right? Uh, and then uh, following that are the general stipulations. Um, that runs all the way into chapter you know, 24, 25, 26, um, where it flushes out the details. Uh, and then 27, 28, uh, really down through, uh, through the end of the book, are the blessings and curses. Now, the Lord's going to keep his side, so that's not an issue. But if Israel uh, doesn't keep their side of the bargain, what happens? This is the curses. If they do, they'll be blessed. If they don't, they'll be cursed. Um, Then the calling of witnesses. Let's let's get some, uh, what do you call it when you have have to sign it in front of someone? It's the, you got a notary section, right? All right, so so who's going to witness this? Uh, agreement between Israel and the Lord. Well, the, uh, the, uh, the Lord calls the heavens and the earth as witnesses. Deuteronomy um, uh, chapter 32, and that ends the book. Is this as you sense? So, this is a form that they understood. This is they're entering into a covenant. This is why we call the Old Testament the Old Covenant, because Israel is operating in a covenant relationship with the Lord, and everything they do is to be understood in light of that covenant. They're supposed to be judged in light of that covenant. That's why I tell my students all the time. uh, The Lord is a cheater because Israel always breaks the covenant, and almost he is so slow to bring the judgments that were prescribed in the covenant. He breaks the rules for them. He cheats on their behalf. Why does he do that? Because he's long suffering and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. Yet by no means does he leave sin unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the sons. Do you remember this? To the what? third and fourth generation. So what's going to happen in this story is Israel eventually, finally, after the the patience of the Lord is worn out, he banishes Israel from the land for 70 years. How many generations is that? Generation is about 20. That would be three or four, (laughs) right between three and four. Uh, generations, right, so this is 70 years, they're banished to Babylon, and then in the covenant, uh, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, in the blessings and curses section, uh, the Lord explains, now, if I judge you, and you don't repent, then I will judge you seven times more for your rebellion. Seven times more, sevenfold more, sevenfold more. Israel Breaks the laws, he's patient. Breaks the law, he's patient. Rejects the Lord, follows other God, he's patient. He raises up judges to deliver them. He's long-suffering, he's slow to anger. Uh, the judges uh, won't do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, the priests won't do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. The kings won't do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And the prophets won't do what's good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And so eventually, after cheating on their behalf, generation after generation, to show his character to them, he judges them. 70 years kicked out of the land. Do they repent after that 70 years? No. So now we're into the book of Daniel. Uh, Jeremiah 29:1 through 10, you know, the verses that right before the life verse that everybody quotes. Jeremiah 29:1 through 10 is the judgment of the Lord proclaimed on Israel, their banishments for 70 years but I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. So, Deuteron- uh, Deuteron- Daniel chapter 9, at the end of that 70 years, then Daniel, reading the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, uh, says, um, Lord, it's been 70 years. And the Lord says, yeah, but you haven't repented. And so at the end of that chapter, 77, uh, seven years, seven times Seventy has been declared for you and for your people to repent, make atonement for your sin, all that stuff. Is this making sense? Okay. So, the the covenant, the Old Testament, uh, everything that Israel does after the entering into the covenant is to be evaluated per the covenant. If you don't know the covenant, you don't have any grounds upon which to judge what they're doing, whether they're doing good and right. or If you don't know the law, you can't become a lawyer. Well, you shouldn't become a Yeah, it turns out you can. From what I understand, you can you can even become a judge. Because you wouldn't be a good judge, okay? <laughs> you got these judges doing whatever. Um, but if you're going to understand the Old Testament, you have to understand the Old Testament. Is that different? If you're going to understand the Old Covenant, you have to understand the Old Covenant. If you're going to understand the New Covenant, then you'd have to understand um, the Old Covenant and how the Old Covenant is different from the New Covenant. What am I talking about here? Uh, Jeremiah. Uh, This is in Jeremiah chapter thirty-one. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. So I haven't left that question. But but in other words, the question uh, of how does Deuteronomy—it's the same question. This is always the same question. So I want to show you all questions in the Old Testament—they all fit the same template. So we have to understand the template. See, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Jeremiah, chapter 31, right? So one follows 30, and 30 follows 29. See how that works? Right. Simple man. Yeah, th- th- this is it. And this is all we teach at seminary, right? So, so this verse follows this verse. Okay, so what are the chances that the verse that... Fa- This sentence that precedes this sentence has something to do with this sentence. It's really all the T's. And we get a PhD for that, which is really funny. It's the biggest racket going, right? Uh, This is in Jeremiah chapter 31. Okay. Um, So 29, 1 through 10, 29, 11, uh, chapter 30, chapter 31. Chapter 31, there's a verse you actually, no, in here uh, uh rachel weeping for her children you remember this uh this is in the gospels this is jeremiah 31 rachel weeping for her children and and so the lord is looking down upon this and he's going to fix the problem and so he it's says 11 o'clock uh then in uh verse 31 behold the days are coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. I covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them. Everybody tracking so far? The covenant, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers. Who's that? Who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then ultimately Moses. Um, They broke it. I brought them out of the land of Egypt. Um, but this is the covenant that I will make with them, with the house of Israel after those days. After what days? After the 70 years of judgment and after he restores them. So you're looking towards this in time when the Lord restores the fortunes of Israel. I will put my law within them and on their heart I shall write it. What law? The covenant, yeah, the, the, the old covenant, the law within them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I shall remember no more. Their sin. Whose sin? Who's this new covenant with? Okay. What are the chances that 34 relate to 33, 32, and 31? Let's go back to 31. I will make a new covenant with who? The of Israel with the house of Judah. Who's the covenant with? House of Israel, and I can go slower. (laughs) 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 Or someone say, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. (laughs) You're gonna have to work with me a little bit. Okay, uh, th- those of you online, uh, did you hear the question? So if the, why does, there is there a need for a new one? If, how would you say it, the old one is? Well, it. If God issued it, it would be perfect and complete. Okay. Is God perfect and complete? Yes. Is he the issuer of it? Yes. Is the problem with God? No. What's the problem with? Now, what what's what's the pro? No, it's the problem with Israel, not the problem with us yet. By this time, the Gentile ship has sailed. Okay, when does the Gentile ship sail, so to speak, in the Bible? When are they a lost cause? Uh, day uh, eight, <laughs> rested, then Cain killed Abel. Okay, nine months in there. maybe Cain killed Abel, okay? um, and Abel. Uh, is replaced by Seth and uh, and Adam had other sons and daughters who were not made in the image and likeness of Adam. you track what means that this is in uh, in Genesis chapter five right God made Adam in his image according to his likeness and Adam lived for this number of years and he had a son in his own image according to his likeness and had other sons and daughters uh, we, these are the Roys the rest of y'all are the are all you others right uh, 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 the AYOs, you know, all you others. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Seth had, uh, you know, Enosh, and Enosh uh, had, uh, and Seth had other sons and daughters. But Enosh uh, called, uh, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. He began to call upon the name of the Lord. And Enoch walked with God, but they had other sons and daughters. And so you're tracking, this genealogy is tracking down to Abraham. And the Lord's going to bring, turn to Abraham, a pagan, Abram, a pagan, from Haran, Terah, served the moon, moon God, uh, and bring him to faith in the coming Messiah. And he would be the carrier of the promise. This was the covenant that God made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. So the covenant didn't begin with Moses, it was consummate, it was, it was signed. but the Lord had already made a promise with Abraham that he was going to do this. Um, Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis, Abraham says, how will I know that you're gonna do this? And so the Lord makes a sacrifice, makes a covenant right there with, with Abraham. 400 years, you'll be dead and long gone, but I'm going to visit my people again. I'll bring them out of Egypt. I will um, lead them into the land, which I promised to you, Abraham, to Isaac, uh, and uh, to Jacob. Uh, and this is the covenant which they broke. What's the problem with, so, so the Gentiles, they were lost cause almost from the get, from the get, unless God intervenes. Um, what was the problem with Israel? Don't uh, don't think about your theology. Think about the, the, the story. What? How does? What? What's the language that describes Israel all the time? Stiff-necked, rebellious people, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. Right? Uh, they have a what? A bad heart. A hard heart. What do they need? They need a new heart, okay? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Turn up, so we go 28, 28, blessings and curses, and then Deuteronomy chapter 30. So so the Lord's gonna judge them, Deuteronomy 28. Uh, Then Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, all right, so it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse. Okay, what's he talking about, the blessing and the curse? Chapter 28, all the blessings and all the curses come upon you, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in the, the nations where the Lord your God has banished you. What does that mean? Moses has already told them, I'm going to kick you out of the land. You will rebel against me. And eventually, I'm going to throw you out of the land. I'm going to diaspora you, diaspora you among the gentiles okay this is back in uh chapter 28 in the curses section verse 64. moreover the lord will scatter you among the peoples from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth and there you'll serve other gods gods of wood and stone uh and you'll find no rest for the sole of your foot no resting place i i will make you perish as before i made you prosper now i will make you perish I will put, uh, go back to to verse 49. I'll bring a nation upon you from afar, from one end of the earth to the other. Um, um, Verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send uh, upon you in hunger and thirst in nakedness and lack of things. And he will put an iron yoke upon your neck until he has destroyed you. Okay, what is the iron yoke that he's going to put on their neck? This is not hard to interpret. You just sound out the big words and it's the nations. He's going to send the nations. They're going to come, right? They're going to to be the Lord's instrument of judgment upon Israel to get Israel to do what? Returns to the Lord. And when they return to the Lord, he will restore them from captivity. The word there is turn or repent. Okay. Book of Judges. What does Israel do? They go serve other gods. Okay. So, per the covenant, what's the Lord going to do? He's going to bring the nations upon them. He's going to bring the foreign nations upon them and they're either going to, he's going to subjugate them. Uh, they're going to repent. The Lord's going to relent. He's going to raise up a deliverer. Who will judge that nation and restore Israel? Happens again and again and again and again all through the book of Judges. Ultimately, the Lord's going to grow tiresome of this, and He's going to kick them out of the land. And so this is what's being talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So come about when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse, and you call them to mind in the nations where the Lord your God has banished you. Who's the you? Israel, good. You're not here. You're not in this old testament. Right? Um and you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Remember back in Deuteronomy chapter six, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall, shall, shall speak of them. that which fills the heart, is that the mouth you shall speak of them as you go along the way. Um, with all your heart and with all your soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons, then the Lord your God will—literally, it's return. You, you return to the Lord. Return to the Lord from what? What are they going to do? From following other gods, they're going to go follow the gods of the nations, right? Um, go back to. Um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter uh, six, right? Right after "Here is where the Lord is, our God, the Lord alone." Okay. See, I can't explain Deuteronomy 30 until I explain 29. I can't explain 29 until I explain 28. And you see, it just keeps keeps going, right? Uh, so uh, he says, uh, six one through four: "Here is where the Lord is, our God. Does this sound familiar? The Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart." and with all of your soul, and with all of your might, and these words which I am commanding you, they shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. Uh, you shall uh, bind them on your uh, sign, uh, on your hand, and on the frontals of your forehead, right? There. Then it will come about. Verse 10, and the Lord your God brings you out of the land, which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will make a new covenant with you, not like the covenant which I made with your fathers, which you broke. Sound familiar? Um, Uh, uh, to give you great and splendid cities that you did not build and houses that you did not fill and cisterns that you didn't dig and vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant and you eat and are satisfied. Watch yourself, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery to fear only the Lord and to serve only him and to worship only him and swear only by his name and you go and follow other gods. Look out. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God and he will kill everyone. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. So, you don't put the Lord your God to right? So, this is what they're going to do. They're going to go serve other gods. He's going to judge them. And when they return to the Lord your God, now, how are they going to return? The judgments in the curses, are there to bring them to repentance. Are you with me? What were the judgments? They were war, famine, and death. When does Israel ultimately return to the Lord? Book of Revelation. In the great tribulation, in the 70th week, right? They were judged for 70 years. They didn't repent. So now 77s in that last seven-year period, the Lord is going to turn his focus to them and get them to repent. How? Uh, he's going to bring war upon them, famine, and death. Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy, uh, Revelation chapter 6, verses, uh, seals 2 and 3 and 4. War, and famine, and death to get them to repent. So he's going to get them to return to the Lord. When you return to the Lord, I will return you to the land. I will have compassion upon you. I will gather you from the peoples, from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. That word scattered, diaspora, scattered, right? This is the New Testament. This is James. James writes to the 12 tribes scattered. Greetings. Okay. Are we there yet? We're not there yet. Why? Because Israel still scattered? They're believers. Some of them are believers, but they're still scattered. They've not been uh, so all the all, all of Israel is not back in Israel. They're still scattered. So is this making sense? Uh, First, Peter. Peter writes to the uh, Jewish believers who have been scattered throughout Bithynia and, and, and Asia and all this right. If your outcasts are at the end of the earth, from there the Lord your God will bring you back. Uh, he will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you will possess it. Will prosper you more than your fathers. This is a promise. I'll bring them back. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul in order that you may live. Okay, so the problem is not with the Lord, the problem is not with the covenant, the problem is not with the law. The law is not bad, the law is perfect. Psalm 19. David says. Restores the soul. Is light to the eye. It's more precious than gold. Sweeter than none. Problem's not with the law. Problem's not with God. Problem is with Israel. With their heart. So they need a what? A new heart. I will give you a new heart. The Lord will give you a new heart. Circumcise your heart. Uh, In the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Uh, And uh, if you obey the Lord, you keep it, you know, and they said, look, this is not too hard. But Israel, stiff necked rebellious, hard hearted, they're not going to do it. So the Lord's going to have to fix their heart. So he says, kicks them out of the land. Don't repent. 77. We're not there yet. Uh, So in chapter uh, 31, he says, look, but the days are coming, declares the Lord and I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers, which they broke and I brought them out of Egypt. but this is what I'll do okay so back to Deuteronomy or back to uh, to Jeremiah chapter thirty one do you see how what the the problem is we say yeah 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 blah 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 how does this apply to me how does it well just hold your horses, okay? We're still still in the Old Covenant dealing with Old Covenant people, right? Well, when do we get to the Gentiles? It's going to be a while. (laughs) Um, The Gentiles are already over there serving Satan. The problem in the Old Testament is Israel over there and serving Satan as well. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, 31, 33, I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now this goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 32, Hosea chapter 6. They shall not teach again, brother teaching brother, saying, "Know the Lord," for they will all know me, the least to the greatest. And I will forgive their iniquity and their sin; I will remember no more. Okay. So uh, the Lord's going to fix this through a new covenant. That makes sense. It's all. Building the story is just developing and uh, and building along. Uh, how you are to so so when we're in Judges, when we're in Deuteronomy, when we're in the Old Covenant, uh, you're watching Israel. The Gentiles are already a lost cause. You're watching Israel go down in flames, so to speak. Right, and you're watching this contrast between the Lord. You're learning. How compassionate is he? How merciful is he? How slow to anger is he? Right? How loyal is his love towards Israel? Does that make sense? This is the Right? This is his character. This is just how he works. And so, uh, so you're you're going to watch. do you see me cleaning up? Why are you messing up? Uh. You're 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 watching this. You're learning about the character of the Lord, and you're learning about the character of Israel. Now, what are the character of the Gentiles like? <laughs> they they were hopeless a long time ago. The new covenant is when the Lord fulfills His promises to Israel. Exactly. He's promising it in Jeremiah. He's promising it in Jeremiah. But it hasn't happened yet. Has has the new covenant been fulfilled today? No. What does fulfilled mean? Completed. It was a promise, right? The Lord made a promise to these people. Has he kept it yet? Nope. Will he keep it? Yes, he will. Yeah. Now what happens in the meantime? So let's, let's, let's put the Gentiles in here and then let's go back to uh, Teresa's question. All right. In Deuteronomy chapter 32. So remember the, whole pro- the problem from this whole Bible, all creation begins when? The, what's the problem? When does it begin? At the fall. At the fall. And what was the problem? The problem was, Adam and Eve said, we ain't doing what you say. We're going to be our own boss. Uh, We're not going to deny ourselves. And we're not going to follow you. We're going to be our own God. I tried to pull the sermon in there. You with me? So everybody goes that way. And the Lord says, well, I'm going to intervene in these people, and I'm going to cause you to follow me. Who are those people? Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And he says, You're going to follow. And they say, What? No, we're not. Yes, you are. No, we're not. You're going to the land. We're going back to Egypt. We had it better back in Egypt. We ate good in Egypt. No, you're not. You're coming this way. I'll kill every one of you out here. I'll raise up a new generation and I'll drag them along. You're going to the land. And the whole way, the whole Old Testament they're fighting them. Now, why does he care? What, what, you know, what's what's the Lord? Why is the Lord even messing with? Look, God has said cuz he's going to redeem this whole thing. He's not just going to save Israel. He's going to save who? For God so loved the whole world that those who became his enemies, Gentiles, long time ago, and then Israel, he's going to save them through his son. Because that was the promise from the beginning. And so Moses is telling him, Look, y'all are a stiff necked, rebellious people. I tell you what's going to happen. You're going to continue to rebel against the Lord. He's going to judge you. He's going to kick you out of the land. You're still not going to repent. So he's going to go to those pagans worshiping Satan. He's going to bring them in to make you jealous. Then, at the end, he'll bring you back. Where are we in that story? No, that's what we're doing just a bunch of pagan worshipers worshiping the stuff of the world. Um, Unfortunately, because we are pagans who have a long line of paganism, worshiping worldly stuff, we often continue to be pagans worshiping paganism and worldly stuff. We just do it with Bible verses instead of Pagan verses. Does that make sense? But nonetheless, he is redeeming a people that don't know him. Don't have a clue. You want to get illustrations of this in the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah going to Nineveh. Jonah knows the Lord. He says, I ain't going. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. "Uh Uh-uh. I'd rather die. We can arrange that. (laughs) You're still going. I'll kill you dead, put you in a belly of a fish, and you're still going. <laughs> you can't make me like it. We'll see. <laughs> so At the end of the story, Jonah's saying, you know what? You make me sick. Lord, Lord, you make me sick. Ninevites. You would care for the Ninevites. Lord says, I find it interesting that you, um, you like it when I have compassion on you, when I'm merciful towards you. But when I'm merciful towards them, you don't like it. Why should I not be merciful towards them when I've never revealed myself to them? They don't know their right from their left, the good from, you know. I'm but you know better. This is in the process. We're in the process of the Lord taking the gospel to people who don't know any better. don't know anything. Right? It doesn't surprise me when people who are pagans, who've been pagans their whole life, are saved and they don't know the Bible. Well, duh. Then they're told, well, read the gospel of John. I don't know how on earth you make any sense out of any of this stuff. Right? So you're just over there going, I, sir, I, I love Jesus. Why? I have no idea. Because I don't know Somebody shared the gospel with me and I believe it. It seems to make sense. And you have no idea what you're doing, right? <laughs> Which is ridiculous. And then you're over there misinterpreting every verse and these Jews are over there going, these people don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even know what they believed in. That makes me mad. Aha. I will move them to jealousy. I will move them to anger. with they people who are not a people. We're in the story. This is Deuteronomy chapter 32. So my point is, you can't interpret anything in the Bible without understanding where we are in the story. Now, Deuteronomy 21. Walk across some dead guy. Talk to me about a dead guy, dead person. You don't know how they died. In light of the story, what's the value of this in the story um, well uh, in Genesis chapter 1 let us make man in our image according to our likeness let him rule over the birds the the fish and sea yeah he's a person uh, why did God wipe out uh, all of these people in Genesis chapter 6 because they Well, the innocent, uh, so that, well, so you will be uh, innocent as well. In other words, you got a stain on your, uh, you know, these these people. Like, if you look down there at the very end of of the chapter, right, Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 21, um, the elders of the city, verse, uh, I'm sorry, not the end of the chapter, the end of the section, verse 6. The elders of the city, which is nearest to the slain man, "...shall wash their hands over the heifer, whose neck has been broken in the valley, and they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it. Forgive your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, O Lord, and do not place the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people. And the blood guiltness shall be forgiven them." Forgiven who? People in the town so you shall remove guilt from innocent blood uh, of innocent blood in your midst when you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord what is all this killing an animal for a slain innocent person this goes back to the end of the flood remember this if a man sheds another man's blood by a man shall his blood be shed um somebody kills somebody, there's payment to them. Um, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when uh, they reject the Lord, and the penalty was death. In the day that you will surely die. Did Adam and Eve die that day? They did not. Did something die that day? Something did die that day. The innocent animal died in their place. So a man's blood blood has been shed. Without bloodshed, there is no remission for sentence. Has a wrong occurred? Yes, a man has been slain. Is, is there, you don't know who did it, right? right? Uh, it says, um, uh, uh forgive the people uh, who, and uh, you know, we didn't see it. We didn't shed the blood and our eyes didn't see it, okay? So so you can't exact judgment on the offender who killed the man, but that, that still doesn't remove the reality that a man has died, that someone has died, that a wrong has happened. It's got to be atoned. Does that make sense? The animal's going to die for this wrong that has been committed. So the writer of Hebrews is going to... See, if you know this Old Testament stuff, then the writer of Hebrews is going to make perfect sense of it. All of those, the blood of bulls and goats, could never take away sin weren't designed to take away sin. They were only a covering for sin until the one came who would take away sin. Does this make sense? So the whole story is fitting together. Every part of it fits together. What, What causes us to not understand it is we don't read it like we read everything else. Anything else. I've um, never, I don't know, what's a book that we've all read? That's why I always stick with Dr. Seuss because that's about as far as our education system can take us in a book where we've all read. Um, War and Peace, nobody did that. <laughs> whatever. I mean, whatever story it is, you've never stuck yourself in the middle and said, boy, that Juliet, she really loves me. What? Oh, I, I I'm kind of after Romeo because I, uh, well, I I I'm not after Romeo. You can be after Romeo. I care less about Romeo. That Juliet, she really loves. Romeo. They will haul you off. They need to put you in a jacket in a padded room. You're nuts. Nobody does that. But that's what we do with the Bible every time you read it. Every time. You know, Paul told me, or Paul, Paul, you know. Joshua told us we were to be strong and courageous. Joshua didn't tell you to be strong and courageous. He told them to be strong and courageous. Why? Uh, They're going to go into the (laughs) land. And they're going to take the land. Now, should you be strong and courageous? Yes. Is that what Joshua's telling us in the Old Testament? No. Why not? Because you weren't alive in the Old Testament. (laughs) Right? Does that make sense? You don't have to go take the land. You don't have to go do anything. Exactly, exactly. Good. So Hal says that question. Perfect question. So Hal says we're not alive in the, in the New Testament. Exactly right. Right. So Paul. Uh, so so we're getting to app, So so the question is how then do we find application? So let's let's attack that into it. Is there application for the reader in Romeo and Juliet? Yes. It's the moral of the story. Right? Um, is there uh, application? Yes. there. You know, So narrative literature has, the story is written for a reason. Okay? Uh, somebody asks you a question uh, and you say, let me tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, why are you telling the story? I just thought it'd be a nice time to tell a story. It has nothing to do with anything that we've been talking about. No, no, no. Every time you tell a story, there is a reason why you're telling the story. Uh, When Reese asks a question, I go into this extended diatribe. There's a reason why. Not just, look, here it is. There's the answer. No, no, no. I don't want you to just see the answer. I want you to see why it was even a question to begin with. Does that make sense? Um, and, And so... You're not a Philippian. You're not Timothy. Are you? Even if your name's Timothy, Paul was not writing to you. You're not trying to find Paul's cloak and parchments to get him to him before winter while he's still in prison and praying for his buddies and bringing Luke with him. You're not doing that. Why not? Because I'm not crazy. Preach the word. Is that for you? No. No. Do the work of evangelism. Is that for you? No. Why not? Because it was all written to Timothy. Okay. Paul wrote to Timothy. So what Paul says, so the question is not what did Paul say to Timothy? The question is why did Paul say what Paul said to Timothy? And why does Paul say what Paul says to the Philippians, to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, to the Romans? Uh, why does James say to these 12 tribes, dispersed greetings, consider it all joy. Because what's happening in the story God's plan and program for the story, and at this time the church has been established. Now, are you a member of the church? Are you a member of the body of Christ? Yes. Does every member have the same function in the body? No. How do you know that? You didn't get that from reading first or second Timothy. Maybe first Timothy. Not Second Timothy. You got that from reading Ephesians and Romans and Corinthians where Paul uses this analogy of a body and there are individual members. So Paul writes to Timothy who is the pastor in Ephesus you with me. He says, do the work of evangelism. Fulfill your ministry. Preach the word. He writes in his letter to the Ephesians, the church that Timothy's pastor, God gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as pastors, and some as teachers, and some as evangelists. The purpose of why he says that in Ephesians is because he's explaining how God is working in the body through the ministry of the Spirit. In other words, how does the Spirit actually function in the body? Not what we do. We make stuff up and say, the Lord's late made a I'm a rock star, lead guitarist for Van Halen, where? That's the Spirit's leading me to learn guitar because he has called me to be the lead guitarist for Van Halen. That's the language we use. And, and whatever you put in the blanks, it's just as ridiculous because it's not the Bible. How is the Spirit actually functioning in the body? The Spirit works in the body of which you are a member how does the Spirit build up the body to a mature man for works of service? Through the ministry of the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists who teach the Word till we all attain the unity of the faith, the a mature man. So these specific gifts, these specific gifts, um, uh, roles in the body have a specific purpose in Ephesians. But he also writes Corinthians. And he explains in Corinthians, same issue, same problem. Uh, divisions in the body. Um, elevating gifts. Paul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. The first and highest gift given in the body is possible. Then prophets." Then teach. Then he goes down through this list. He says, not all are apostles, are they? Answer? No. Even the structure, the, the Greek syntax, the way that that Greek sentence is structured, the answer is, uh, all are not prophets, are they? No. All are not prophets, are they? No. All are not teachers? No. Well, all are not evangelists, are they? All do not affect miracles, do they? All do not have the gifts of administration, do they? All well, then why are they given to individual members of the body? Works of service for the building up of the body until we all attain. So I can't look at an individual verse written to an individual person um, and say that applies to to directly, Paul tells Titus, appoint elders. Okay, who among us gets to gallivant the countryside and appoint elders, whoever we please? Uh, nobody. <laughs> Why not? Because you're not Titus. Should the church appoint elders? Yes. How should the church? In the same way that Paul told Titus to appoint elders. The same thing that Titus and Timothy were to be looking for, same thing we're looking for. Why? Because we're still in the process of building up of the body for works of service. Just making sense, right? And so we don't get direct. To, so what happens actually is you intuitively know what you're supposed to be doing. At least on the far ends of the spectrum, are you with me? Nobody's go, going to visit Paul in prison. Nobody is trying to bring Jesus a donkey, right? Uh, Nobody is, um, you know, reading the list of people. You're running around trying to find someone whose name is, you know, Alexander the coppersmith so that you can be aware of him. Look out for that guy. One named Alexander who is a coppersmith is not to be trusted. (laughs) No, 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 right? You're not doing those things, obviously. Everybody knows that. Okay? But then there's these verses over here, where the church is supposed to be doing. It, but then what about the ones in the middle? See, that 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 those are the ones that are that are, and it's because we don't understand actually. what's We're just going in there, and we're grabbing a verse and quote applying it to our life. Said so no, no, no. That's not that's not how you read anything. Okay. Um, that that help, Does That makes sense. So that this is not how application works with anything. You read. Um, now, if it was written directly to you, say you were Timothy, you're the Timothy that Paul wrote to. Would your correct application be come to Paul before winter? Yes. Should you bring his cloak and parchments? Yes. Should you bring Luke with you? Yes. <laughs> should, should you do the work of an evangelist? Yes. Should you repent? Yes. Should you um, not be timid or shy? Uh, should you not be uh, ashamed of Paul or of his imprisonment? Yes. Is, that, is this making sense? Now, application. Should we be ashamed of the gospel? No. If Paul is telling them, everyone who lives godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, and you find it in every letter in every story, from the fall until the return, should you be shocked if you suffer? right? Do you see? And so we're not uh, we're not uh, going to Jerusalem trying to find um, a place to sacrifice. Why not? Why would we? We're not in the Old Testament. We're not Israelites in the Old Testament under the covenant. Um, uh, is, this, is this making sense to you? All right. so do you see how application works? we don't apply the verse. Uh, The verses, the letters, the stories that are told tell us about God, his plan, and where this thing's going. And so we gather information per the story, Old Testament, Gospels, Acts, Revelation, and the epistles, the letters that the, the apostles wrote to people at that time explaining, now, look, this is what just happened. We're about to die, the church is being built, you follow the word of the apostles and prophets after this until Christ returns. How do we do that? Uh, elders are gonna teach. You. Should we still be doing that? Yes, why, because nothing's changed. So we can go in there and this is how we find application because we understand the store, we understand where we are in the store. None of these books were written to us, they were all written before But what's found in those books tells us what is going to happen at this time and what is to come, so that we're known, so that we're not led astray. So we can take information that Paul wrote to Timothy or Philemon or Titus or the Ephesians or Philippians, and we can say, you know, that's true for them. It's also true for us now. Why? Nothing's changed. We're still in this thing called the church in between Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, as we await his return. Understanding God's plan uh, and purposes, where this thing's headed, so we live according. Does that make sense? So that's how uh, application works. And so you've got to, if you want to read it to understand it um, first, and then apply it, you have to read it like you read anything else. This is how the church has read the scriptures for 1900 plus years. In the last 100 or so years, 100, say 150 years, uh, increasingly, um, knowledge of the scriptures has plummeted. Plummeted. Knowing the story of the Bible plummeted. And so now, uh, this is individual standalone sentences to be applied to your life as you see fit, regardless of context, All right? So, uh, I don't know, give me something that's going on. Uh, hospitals are being filled with COVID-19 patients, okay? So, I'm, I'm going to just go. Now, I've got some view of how that's supposed to go. So, uh, uh Let's see. So, uh, therefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. This is Ezekiel 16, just random place. Uh, Thus says the Lord God, because your lewdness was poured out and uh, your nakedness uncovered through your harlotries with your lovers, with all of your detestable idols, because of the blood of your sons, uh, which you gave to idols, therefore, I will gather your lovers with with whom you took pleasure, even those who... And I, and, I'll, and I will judge you, verse 30. See, this is just the judgment of God. You need to repent of your idolatry, uh, or repent of your harlotry. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, because I know the plans I have for you. And if you repent, then... Uh, Uh, you can do all things with those who strengthens you if you are strong and courageous. For who knows? Such a time as this, right? And we can just line up these verses one after another after another and stick them into our context and just it's just stupidity. But this is what Bible study has turned into. Just a collection of life verses devoid of context to make me feel better about myself. Now, when an author actually tells a, a, a reader, for y'all have been called for this purpose. Never heard of that verse. Why not? Because it doesn't promise me the stuff I want. Right? So this is what we've disintegrated into. we we disintegrated into just this mess. And then we sit around and we say, now, what does this verse mean to you? Oh, I think it means flowers and cupcakes and Twinkies and life's going to be great. Or well, excuse yeah. me, what you like that? <laughs> flowers and cupcakes and Twinkies and life's going to be great. You say, well, excuse me, but I have cancer. Well, it's because you don't have enough faith and you must have unconfessed sin. Says okay. so, you know, helps friends. Right to Job, who was chosen specifically because he was more righteous than any of them, a blameless man in his day, right? And so it's just paganism. If you serve God, He will give you stuff. That's paganism. Christian verses, right? Exactly. Now, so if you go to like James chapter five, see, because there's this whole nother issue going on in the 12 tribes dispersed, they have adopted Job's friend's theology and they're judging one another on the cause of it. So a rich man comes in, they're going, oh, he must be blessed of God. God is really blessing his business. We never hear that in the church. <laughs> we never heard that. Oh, God is just blessing his business. He must be blessed because he's rich. Poor people, we don't like them here because God doesn't bless poor people, right? It's the same thing that's happening. The people in James, the, the, the Pharisees, those Jews, have the same theology, the same philosophy. They, they've adopted a pagan philosophy, just like Job's friends. And they're saying, oh, look at how, if you're good, God will bless you. And James says, no, we don't, that's not how we count blessings. We count those as blessed who endure. Consider Job. And you've seen the outcome of his death. See, this is how James applies Job. See, what was the purpose of, the purpose of Job was not, there was a purpose, an intended response for the reader to understand when he read the story of Job. That's why the story of Job was told. What was that intended response? You need to reject paganism. Reject this, you serve God, he will give you stuff. Right. Job blessed the name of the Lord. He had his animals taken from, taken from And he continued to bless the name of the Lord and his kids killed. And he continued to bless the name of the Lord and he had his health taken from And his wife comes, and they mistranslate, they mistranslate this in two nine. She says, What's wrong with you? You still going to hold to the strength of your faith? There's nothing left. They translate it, curse God and die. Not what it says. He says, she says bless God, Barak, bless God and die. What good is blessing the name of the Lord if you don't get stuck? He says, you speak as a, a crazy woman speaks. Shall we take uh, only the good and not the bad? Because in this story, from the very beginning, all the way to the very end, the life that these people are being encouraged, exhorted to look for is not this life but the life to come. This this is where this God is different. And so Job, through reading Job's story and reading Abel and Cain, and the or the Cain and Abel story, and the prophets, and the persecution of the saints all the way through, well, consider the prophets. Consider the suffering of the faithful. This has always been the case. And God uses that suffering to perfect your faith. So consider it Join my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the refining of your faith so as a result, it works for endurance. Let endurance have its perfect work that you would be perfect and complete by See, because we count those as blessed who endure. Are they blessed? Because their faith was better. Their faith was perfect. And so today we walk by faith, not by sight. But your faith will be rewarded. Hope your hope will grow. Is that just the testimony of Paul? No. testimony of James, the testimony of Peter, the testimony of Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will inherit the land. When? Uh, It's Paul's exhortation uh, to to Timothy. It's what you're supposed to learn from Joseph. does, Does that still apply to you? Of course. Why? Because it applies to every person, every place, and every time. From the beginning till the end, till the return of Christ. So where's your hope? Now, do each of us have a different function in the body? Yes. So Paul wouldn't tell me uh, to uh, do the work of evangelism. He would tell me, you better teach truth. Say, you probably need to pay attention to James's words. But not many of you become teachers, my brother. Know that you are knowing you will incur a stricter judgment. Now, what would he say to a wife? Do you have a job, a role, a position? Yes. He'd say, fulfill your ministry. What is your ministry? As a mother, as a wife, as a judge, as a whatever Mike does. What do you do? As a rock star, lead guitarist for Van Halen, there's Whatever it is, you fulfill your ministry as you fit. Is, that make, is this making sense? So I read the encouragement of Paul to Timothy and how Paul encourages Timothy and why Paul encourages Timothy and what to expect and say, I, I'm not any different. I can expect this. Is that making sense? So we're we're figuring out how applic but but before we get to application, we gotta begin with understanding. Understanding is just reading what this story about them then and there uh, had to say so that we can recognize where we are and how how it all fits. Make sense? When the New Testament authors use the Old Testament stories, this is what they're all right. So you'll see this repeated. Anyway, we're out of time. Good question. Hopefully this is helping you uh, as you understand the book. Um, if we can fix our global understanding, all the parts should start to make sense. Right? If we jump into the, the minutiae and you say, well, let's interpret Judges 11. I say, well, you got to do Judges 10. Well, about Judges 10, let's do Judges 9. Build the big picture. Anyway. Lord, thanks for our time. For Elijah and his words uh, this morning, for his ministry, thank you for that. And- Lift up, uh, preacher and uh, Leslie, because to, to they are in uh, in Montana. Uh, give them a time of uh, restoration. Pray for our what's going on in our country and around the world with this COVID nineteen. Uh, uh, give us wisdom uh, in the church on how we are to, to live well. Lord, strengthen us. We thank you uh, that you love us, that you sent your Son to us. And so it's in His name we pray. Amen. that's it thanks guys thank you